welcome to the podcast. So it's holiday time and you go to a hotel, you go to breakfast. They serve you single-use plastic cutlery and crockery. That means you get six pieces of plastic. Your partner gets six pieces of plastic. If you have 146 rooms and you have an 80% occupancy, then over 12 months, you have 512, 406. That's over half a million individual pieces of plastic from this one hotel, uh, one year, and that's only for breakfast. Yeah, so... That is unbelievable. Do you think that's horrendous? Joe Hendricks, the co-founder of Travel Without Plastics, he certainly did. Joe is on the Canary Islands, uh, Las Palmas de Gran Canaria. It was fantastic to have her on the podcast. Uh, you can find all the links in the show notes and on obviously on our website as well. That's uh, podcasts.earth. Um, without further ado, here she is. So I'm here with um, Joe Hendricks, and uh, Joe, I believe you're on the Canary Islands, uh, Las Palmas de Gran Canaria, and uh, you're founder of um, Travel Without Plastic. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Peter. It's great to be with you. Good, good. And what, what is it? What is it like on uh, Las Palmas de Gran Canaria at the moment? Um, what is the situation like, if I may ask? Because obviously, I'll be going to talk about the effects of uh, the pandemic, obviously, on on the environment. What is it like uh, to live there at the moment? It, it's mixed at the moment, I would say, to be honest with you. The the Canary Islands in general, all of them were very quick to lock down mm-hmm. um, and had very strict lockdown measures. And that certainly served us very well because we had uh, very, very few cases. And in fact, we were, um, we were hailed as being one of the safest destinations in the world. Um, since more recently, since opening back up and since lifting the lockdown just, um, uh, restrictions, there's obviously been um, an increase in cases, as you would expect, but they're sure. still very, very low compared to you know other parts of the world. I think the latest figures, if I looked yesterday, we were at 85 cases. Okay. Um, but obviously, the Canary Islands rely on tourism mm-hmm. very heavily for the economy. And so uh, a lot of my friends and colleagues that are working in hotels and businesses are very heavily impacted by that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not helped at all by the, you know, the consistent changes by governments of the of the inbound uh, destinations, the originating markets, for instance. And Mm -hmm. that's fluctuating all of the time. And it's very difficult for planning um, for the hotels and and for other uh, tourism providers. So it's, it's still quite uncertain. Um, but we're we're very much hoping that we can start, you know, to to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that a lot of my colleagues here are definitely looking at what that means in, in terms of more sustainable development, in terms of having a um, perhaps a better offer for the local market as yep. well, and not being so heavily reliant externally. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's very much at the beginning. I think we're going to all learn a lot more as the businesses do open back up we've had to put a lot of um you know different procedures in place and people are still living that and they're still going through it and the the people that are traveling here are still having those experiences and i think we need to get through a couple of months of that um and then reflect on how that's been and and what needs to change after that yeah that makes all sense obviously the uk is one of those countries that's changing uh, their rules all the time about where people can go and how long they have to go in uh, quarantine and i can only imagine the effect that it has on the tourist industry uh, obviously I've, I've been myself um last year for, for, for a different tour you have very little uh, cases indeed at the moment but 
you know, the scene in other parts of the world that can change as well, which is not a good uh, prospect, obviously, to have. Um, this has a direct effect, uh, obviously, on the, on the industry and also on a few topics uh, that we will discuss uh, later uh, uh, as well. Um, but you are, uh, coming back to uh, Travel Without Plastic, you are the founder or the co-founder uh, of Travel Without Plastic. What exactly is it you do? Uh, so myself and my colleague, Rachel McCaffrey, um, we've been in travel for um, easily 20 years each, um, both of us. And over the, I think probably since about 2015 or so, we, mm -hmm. the traveling that we did personally and for work, we just saw an increase all of the time in the amount of single-use plastic that was being used um, in hotels and in hospitality businesses. And it got to a stage in 2017 um, where I personally stayed at a hotel in um, in America, in the United States, for some work I was doing there. Yep. And when I went to breakfast, everything was wrapped. Bread rolls, individually wrapped knives and forks and spoons. There was nothing that could be reused mm -hmm. at that breakfast buffet. And that was almost like the switching point for me. Um, and I remember speaking to some of the staff in the hotel just to ask them why they would choose that option. Yep. Uh, and that... I found myself then giving them, um, you know, some pointers, some potential things to think about, um, started to have conversations with other people about it. And um, a friend of mine suggested that perhaps we should put together a, a kind of kit that would help people mm -hmm. um, to, to benefit from the knowledge that we've had for such a long time because we've been reducing plastic in tourism since 2011. Yep. Um, and prior to that, I come from a health and safety background okay. in hotels. Um, so... We, we know that the the information that we're going to supply to people is going to be practical, implementable. You know, it's going to be easy to do. Um, but it was all sitting in our heads. Um, and somebody suggested that we should maybe get that into a sort of toolkit yep. um, or something that would be easily accessible online. Mm -hmm. And that led to us creating the Let's Reduce Single-Use Toolkit. Mm -hmm. And in turn, that led to workshops for hotels in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, more recently, they've turned into webinars, as you can imagine, um, with travel being restricted. Sure. So really, it's about um, sharing our knowledge and our insight, I think, and, and helping those hotels and businesses that really do want to reduce plastic, but they just don't, maybe they don't know where to start because mm -hmm. it can be very overwhelming, yep. or they think they've taken it as far as they can go and they, and they don't know what the next steps can be. And so we can help them formulate those. When you asked the American hotel uh, why they do that, what did they say? Interestingly enough, it's for where they were situated, yeah. um, there, were, there were two things. They didn't have a lot of space. Um, ah, okay. So they had originally set up as um, a self-catering accommodation. Um, and nobody would really eat in a restaurant. And then they introduced a breakfast um, and they used a very small room and mm -hmm. there, there was no space, not enough for cutlery. Uh, the kitchen was very small and they bring all of the food in from outside. So it needed to be packaged. Um, but they also talked about for dishwashing facilities, the plates, cups, you know, and cutlery, that sort of thing. Um, but they suffered so many um, issues with electricity They're in a hurricane corridor, um, which caused them specific problems. And actually, it was a very, very difficult thing for them to um, to rely on the on the machinery that would support that. It did sound a bit strange to me, to be honest. But yeah. it's it's just interesting to get lots of people's opinions on it and and see yeah. what they come back with and what the potential you know solutions could what, be. To what that. would be a solution for a business like that, where they don't have much space? Everything is brought in from the outside. They don't have a space for 
a dishwasher? What would be a solution for a hotel or accommodation like that, do you think? You know, you would really need to look at um, some investment in, in the, you know, making some infrastructure available, which, you know, it can be done, but it needs to be budgeted for. Um, the one thing I did to get around it, though, because I couldn't stand it, I was there for five days. Mm-hmm. I actually took my own plates and cutlery down from the room because the room had um, a kitchenette inside yeah, of it okay. where everything was reusable. Um, and they let me do that, which was great. Um, so even if you can't do everything in one go, you know, they could encourage people to at least come down with their own reusable coffee cup or provide such things. Um, it's not to say that they would have to be able to to build a complete infrastructure straight away, um, but they could maybe do that a little more, um, you know, step by step. And you certainly don't need to wrap a banana um, or an <laughs> apple in, in a single use film. So there's some things they could have done <laughs> immediately. Awful. I hate um, plastic. Oh gosh, that is yeah. awful. I know. Sorry. Uh. I know. But even the cutlery, you know, even if nothing else, you, you could certainly wash the cutlery through, through a dishwasher without yeah. needing too much space. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I think that's where we try to help people make those decisions that you can take it step by step and, and plan in the things that you can do. Right, right. And I saw on your website, you have you have like a guide, right? 100 pages of advice uh, for reducing uh, single use tools. Um, what, 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 what are those? What, what's in that book? What, what, what can people learn from that? Oh, gosh, we've, we've crammed everything into that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously a generic guide. Um, so it's, it's available to, to everybody. And we've tried to incorporate as many scenarios as we possibly can in a general way. Um, and what we've done is we've split it down into operational areas for hotels. So we, we've gone into detail for food and beverage, housekeeping, uh, front of house, gardening, well-being, et cetera. Um, so that each operational area is represented. And and we've gone through the main um, criteria. Um, So we've looked at all of the different types of single-use plastic from bathroom amenities to single-use glasses, straws, packaging. And we kind of, we don't tell people what to do. We kind of give them the information that they would need to be able to make a more informed decision. Mm -hmm. So we go through what a lot of the pros and cons would be of alternatives, um, what the what the impacts might be on customer service, um, depending on the usability of types of alternatives, how they may need to think about different processes um, rather than purchasing new products, what types of health and safety considerations um, they need to think about. And that was pre-COVID, but we just have um, COVID proofed it, if you like, where it already had a lot of information in the first place, but we've just made that easier um, to see. We've highlighted that and added a chapter in specifically on that. Right. Um, so it's it's really a reference material, to be honest. It's something that's it's very detailed. It's really, really useful. Do they take it all on board or what has been the uh, feedback that you have uh, had so far, if I may ask? The feedback's been great, actually. People haven't expected the detail that we would go into, and they found that really helpful, um, particularly where we've said, um, you know, you need to consider um, this type of operational impact, et cetera, and given them lots of different um, things to think about. Mm -hmm. What we did do in the beginning following some feedback was we, within the kit itself, we made some shorter versions um, of some of the key uh, points in there. So, for instance, we just did a small three-page guide for purchases for people that have got responsibility for purchasing and procurement, um, a smaller guide on communication so that they were 
delivered in bite-sized chunks as well because it can be quite a lot of information to go through Um, but ultimately what we want to do with it this year is we've we've started to work with an e-learning specialist Uh Um, so we wanted to bring it to life a bit more we were doing that quite well through the workshops and things but obviously they've taken a hit and with us not traveling so we're going to break it down now or section by section almost into bite-sized chunks for e-learning which will be interactive and and hopefully will be um, a bit more interesting you know for people that want to learn in a different way and everyone is doing e-learning at the moment so that 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 sounds very very good actually as a matter of fact so you're planning to do that in chunks uh, basically who who can participate in this Uh, anyone around the world or is it limited to the canary islands i saw you also uh, doing something in turkey um can you tell me a little bit more about it yeah, it's, it's, it's not limited at all um, because it's a digital, it's, you know, it's digital documents that we work with Then anybody can access those. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them are paid for. Okay. Um, some of them will be free of charge. We're currently looking at one that does focus specifically on reducing plastics and still meeting hygiene standards. So we're developing that at the moment. Um, and we will make that free of charge for everybody. Um, and it's just as applicable for hotel managers as as uh, department staff um, and anybody in the hospitality that's that's got an interest in being able to reduce plastic and, and maintain hygiene standards so we, we do work internationally um, mm-hmm. and we work with many different types of hotels um, with different types of customer demographics yep. um, and so I say a lot of our content is quite general so that everybody can access it um, occasionally then we will work with with hotel groups that will ask us to, to work with them on a more personalized basis where we actually understand their brand we mm-hmm. know what their expectations are and then we can slightly adapt um, that content so that it fits them in a more bespoke manner sure and what if i may ask what percentage uh, would be paid and what percentage would be um, free of charge uh, of the overall content that you will offer Uh, We're looking at making the introductory modules um, free of charge. So Mm -hmm. the idea for taking the Let's Reduce Single Use Guide and breaking that down is there should be about 10 modules. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're still working that out with the e-learner and at least two or three of those would be available free of charge. Fair enough, fair enough. And what do you expect the um, uh, will uh, the outcome will be? You expect uh, smaller hotel chains or individual hotel chains or larger hotel chains? Or what, what, what do you expect to happen? Who will take this up? Do you know, it's interesting, actually. When we first started, we mm-hmm. believed that we would be helping the smaller independent hotels that perhaps didn't have a sustainability coordinator, you know, or somebody that was really focused on, on that area of business. And actually, it's turned into a really wide variety of hotels. You you will have seen on our website that we've done work with Tui, for instance, um, and with their hoteliers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's fantastic because we we can we can kind of um, join forces in that. Yeah, it was interesting. We we didn't think that we would be working with the larger hotel chains, but it has actually turned out to be a mix of of both. Brilliant. That's good for business as well, huh? Yeah, fantastic. And it gives us a great opportunity to learn, you know, all of the different hoteliers, different types of hotels, different types of customer demographics. They all need a slightly different approach. So it's really interesting for us to be able to to share ideas that we've learned in one type of, of hotel and, you know, potentially just adapt those slightly um, and, and be able to give advice and recommendations to others. So it's really useful to get that wide perspective. 
Right, right. And I saw on your website, I saw an example there yeah, of, of, of single-use plastic uh, in hotels. And you say that uh, six pieces of plastic per breakfast per person uh, times uh, 146 uh, rooms can be double or twin rooms, 80% occupancy, obviously normal times, based on a 12-month operation. That, that would be roughly half a million, so over 500,000 individual pieces of plastic from one hotel uh, in a year that that is just horrendous um obviously and that's just from breakfast cutlery and uh, and uh, crockery so <laughs> i know that that was my turning point <laughs> where, where you know when you think about all of the other items that that are there as well the amenities in bathrooms you know that's yeah. there but well, that's not in there that's just breakfast you're you're counting there right no this was literally just breakfast ah. yeah and that i say these are the things that we experienced and yeah that really set us on the path where we said we've got to do something about this this is just you know if you take this and not that the whole world will use individual plastics for breakfast but there there were more hotels than i expected that we're doing a breakfast service in that way. And actually now, because of COVID, um, there are many more that feel that they have to do it in this way because they feel it's the only way to do it hygienically, um, yeah. which is a shame because there are other ways to do that. Yeah. Can you expand on that? What other ways do you, um, what do you, what do you suggest? Um, so it, I think it would depend again on the type of hotel. Um Obviously, the, the buffet service that we know of old is, is going to change and going to change quite dramatically. Um, but some of the suggestions there are around having a manned buffet service. So where you would um, the buffet would still be able to function, but you would be served by a member of staff. Mm -hmm. um, rather than what we're seeing in some hotels at the moment, um, a friend of mine was staying in a hotel in London the other day and, and he had to jot down on a little piece of paper what he wanted for breakfast and everything was delivered to his room in a single-use plastic packaging, mm -hmm. in, including a knife and fork. Um, and and you know, it's not really necessary. It can no. be done in, in different ways. And, you know, the, it's the matter of really understanding your, your customers and what they're happy to accept. Mm -hmm. um, we had a very interesting conversation with a hotel in Amsterdam yesterday morning and their customers, you know, in the beginning would have been upset to see a lot of single-use plastic at the breakfast buffet. Yeah. Um, what they're expecting is that the guests themselves um, adhere to, to social distancing. So they make, they take their own responsibility to going up and serving themselves with the food. And then very, very regularly, the staff will come and replace the serving tongs. There is always somebody watching to make sure that the social distancing takes place. There are additional kind of sneeze screens over the buffet. Um, so it's it's making sure that everybody plays their part in making it possible um, to deliver the, the food service in that way. And it, it won't work for everybody. But I think because the numbers are so low in hotels at the moment, um, we, we've got the opportunity to try different things and see what does work because it's not going to be something that comes back very quickly. Um, I don't think we're going to go straight back to buffets and things very quickly. But as an industry, we can't just keep responding to um, pandemics or any other situations by always going back to single-use plastic. We're just going to store up problems for the future. So we've got to find a better way. And yeah. where there's, there's been such um, such an appetite for reducing single-use plastic prior to COVID, yep. and I think that the lockdown happened so quickly 
So in many cases, I think some hotels have just had to go back to it temporarily. And yep. this is a good time to continue that planning for, you know, so that we can future proof and we don't always have to rely on single use as the answer. Oh, fair enough. There was actually an article in the, um, I wanted to come to that a little bit later, but that's fine. Now in the New Scientist, newscientist.com, uh, that talked about the pandemic, it talked about the uh, effects, obviously, that it has. It can be a curse or a blessing, they say. They actually said that, uh, obviously, there's plastic masks turning up everywhere uh, on the pavements here in oh. London. They're, they're everywhere now, which is which is horrible. And they most likely will end up in the in the ocean as well. At a certain point, it was even worse. Yeah. Uh, then, but what they also say is that coffee shops actually halted the uh, use of reusable cups. Um, so that's both actually bad. It's both a disaster, I would say. But if, if they're going to single use mm. coffee shops as well, because they don't want to touch the cups that other people have touched already because of the COVID nineteen, obviously, that's that's not very good, is it? No, no. It was very much a knee jerk reaction. Um, mm. That people were a bit panicked. Um, they didn't really think about the processes that could be put into place. And and so their immediate reaction was, okay, we'll, we'll just go back to single use. And, you know, single use mm-hmm. in hospitality, it's not sterile. It's not, you know, the single use you would find in a hospital maybe is it's a sterile single use. You can guarantee that it's hygienic. Um, that's not the case when somebody is going to be delivering a, a load of paper cups with a plastic lining that will go through many hands and, you right. know, will still sit out on the on the service of the of the restaurant before they're actually used. It might be better to have reusable cups than than to have... Uh, well, some... that's what we thought. Yeah. yeah, you know, ceramic cups for people that are sitting in yeah. um, so they can they can be served with those. Um, right. But what we did see, because um, we, we keep an eye on all of these things, are a, a really good way of being able to take your own reusable cup into a coffee shop. It yeah. goes, you put it onto um, just a, a small placemat or a tray or something, and actually, they what they do is the staff would serve the coffee into a reusable ceramic cup. Yep. They would pour that coffee into your reusable cup, they add the milk it. or whatever else it is mm-hmm. that you want. They never actually touch the cup. Right. You don't touch anything else except for your own cup, and then you take that back off the tray again. So it's it's. I think it was a four step process. We we saw a, um, quite a few coffee shops are doing this now. That's very uh, good. And we actually included yeah. that in content for a webinar we did a couple of weeks ago, just to show that. You just need to think about those procedures. Once we start to think a bit more logically, those procedures will will start to come out again and we'll feel a bit more comfortable about going, you know, returning back to reusable um, in the way that we did before, albeit with slightly different procedures. Makes makes sense. You're also, um, from what I saw, you're on the advisory committee of the Global Tourism Plastic Initiative. Um, Can you tell me exactly what they do and how you are involved? Yeah, so um, it's a UNEP and a One Planet Network initiative, which is uh, supported by the um, Ellen MacArthur Foundation. So the um, when you look at the new plastic the economy work that's taking place, it's split into obviously a range of different industries and tourism is one of those industries. And we've got quite a good relationship with um, the people in UNEP. And we were asked to uh, to sit on the, the advisory committee mm-hmm. um, just so that we can, you know, um, play our part, um, give our insight where, whenever any of the d- discussions are taking place. And the, there's, oh gosh, there's a, there's a big number of signatories. Um, if you go into the One Planet Network um, site, you'll be able to see the latest signatories. I think there was uh, probably representative uh, of over 30 or so um, industry companies. Mm-hmm. And all of us have made a commitment um, to, you know, no matter what the situation is now, 
um, to looking at our businesses and seeing how we can still push this agenda forward. So there are hotel groups in there, like Ibero Star, for instance, that are taking a very leading role in this. And then there are supporting organisations like ours. Um, so the idea really is to share that best practice, to be very open with each other, um, to look at what the, the pros and cons of approaches can be. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it differ in different parts of the world? Because for, for many large groups, they're, you know, they, they have one brand, but they have to operate that at global levels with different cultures, different waste infrastructures. How can that work? Um, so it's a really collaborative process where it's it's just about being very confident that we can all work together um, yeah. and just not let this agenda slip. And, and very recently, they also released um, a guideline of, of how businesses can continue to uh, reduce single-use plastic during the COVID recovery. Right. Um, and that's all available for download on their on their website. Brilliant point. Have you are you involved yourself in that um, in that documentation that's available for downloads? Or? Um, yes, we all we all fed into that documentation. So as it was being created, and we've all been sharing that um, amongst all of the uh, the signatories that have been involved to date. Sounds sounds amazing. As a matter of fact, I must say, um, one of the articles on your website was a blog, I believe, uh, plastic gloves and waste, and how can you prevent the uh, spread of the infection <laughs> uh, without resorting to single use? And uh, well. You give an example there of um, what actually happens uh, when you go uh, to a supermarket. Can you uh, tell me a little bit more about that, about how the infection happens anyways and uh, what your suggestions are? I saw a couple of suggestions, obviously non-touch dispensers, for example, uh, with uh, sanitizing uh, products and um, also revisiting uh, standard operating procedures for cleaning. Um, Can you a little bit more... Maybe a little bit more about the um, about what happened uh, when you went into the uh, supermarket. I believe it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I was quite shocked, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was at the very beginning when when the supermarkets were. I mean, they were always open, but they had to put procedures in place um, to be, you know, to be protecting the public, if you like. And we would all have to queue outside before we could go in and. The security guards there would would absolutely oblige the use of gloves um, uh-huh. before you could go into the into the supermarket to shop. And then it's it's just that it's the observations that you make as you go around because the general public are not necessarily used to wearing gloves for hygiene purposes. If you work in a hotel kitchen or any um, food and beverage outlet where you're where you're dealing with food, you you're probably quite well trained on that and you know that you need to treat hands with gloves the same as hands without gloves. Just having the gloves on doesn't mean that you're not um, spreading around a a virus or bacteria. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like you need to treat them like a second skin. So you would need to wash them if you keep them on. So it's interesting to see how people will still um, cough into their gloved hand um, because, you know, we've all been told to put our hands over our mouths when we cough. So we do that and that's actually a, a terrible thing. We still do that with the gloves on and we still pick up everything off the shelves. We put it back. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah, 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 up yeah. and down. Oh, yeah. Let, what's the what's the expiry date on that? No, it's too close. I'll put that back down. Uh-huh. You'll go into your handbag. You'll get your phone out that you've been touching, you know. And it's all these things that you see people do and you think these gloves are just making no difference whatsoever. Right. And then you would go into the car park of the supermarket and they would be already all over the floor of the car park because – they're extremely lightweight. Many of the bins don't have lids. 
So it blows right out, basically. As soon as the wind picks uh-huh. up, then they're all over the place. And, you know, so people maybe are doing the right thing. And yeah, I, I just think it gives a false sense of security. Whereas if we knew that we needed to wash our hands more regularly, we would be more likely to do that. So since they stopped the gloves being um, an obligatory move, yep. um, now hand sanitizer is an obligatory move to go into the supermarkets here. Mm-hmm. And actually, you notice people going back to the hand sanitizers. So they'll go halfway around the supermarket, they'll go back to that. Oh, really? And they'll hand sanitize again because it's almost... Yeah, it's really interesting. It's uh, I, I'm a bit strange, maybe, that I will just spend time and observe what people are doing in these circumstances. But that's what you notice. It's almost like, this is my hand now. Um, I've touched quite a lot of things. I'm just going to go back to the sanitizer, which nobody does when they've got the gloves on. And I, I just find that really interesting. So I think, you know, in some cases, the it's the processes that we need to be focusing on rather than having products that we believe make us safer when actually they could be doing um, you know, even worse. That makes total sense. So more hand washing, less gloves. Um, and that obviously goes for a lot of other um, things as well, I take it. Um, there's a few articles, uh, one I already mentioned um, in the um, uh, New Scientist. They, they actually said as well that um, the Earth faces a uh, pollution disaster unless we take drastic action. And drastic doesn't just mean like taking a little bit more care of it. But what they say is that even if we manage uh, to really cut uh, plastic pollution, we would only manage to get rid of 78% of it by 2040 um, compared to what we're doing right now. So that doesn't does that mean it's hopeless or is it what, what, what do you think? Um, <laughs> there are days where I think, oh gosh, you know, will we ever be able to do this? And it just requires such a huge mindset change. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting to be part of the of the new plastics economy because it, a lot of that focus is on the circular economy. And if you, and I'm 46 now, so so maybe when when I was a younger girl and I would stay at my nan and granddad's house overnight and and we'd go shopping with them and we would go to all of the different shops. Um, there was no huge supermarkets. There were, you know, the milk was still delivered in glass bottles in the morning. All of these things, we took our own bags mm-hmm. and then just slowly, 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 we seem to have changed into the into the more convenient um, lifestyle. And that's obviously, you know, our lifestyles are very different. We're all working, we're all very busy, we're all juggling jobs and children, those sorts of things. Yep. Um, but it's h- how can we get back? And it's nice to see that there are in, in you know certain countries, I know in the UK, there's a lot more of this, that they are looking backwards now. What did we used to do and how can we kind of reinvent that um, and bring the milkman back and, and those sorts of mm-hmm. things, the vegetable boxes that can be delivered to the house. But it's, it is a huge mindset if we've got to get everybody to do that. And whether COVID has been the wake-up call or not that we need, I think for some people it certainly has. Yeah, I don't quite know. It's a big ask, isn't it? And I think we've, we've all got a part to play. I don't quite know how we're going to do it. Right. Well, you sound quite positive though, don't you? I like to be positive. Okay. <laughs> I think it keeps me going. Yeah. Uh, so I do have my days where I think, my gosh, this is not going to happen. Um, but they're few and far between. And it, yeah, it, it just makes me want to go out, learn more, meet more people that are you know, find more ideas that what can we put out there? How can we share these good ideas with people? And and hopefully there's enough of us that it will work. Yeah. What article? I was in a diving site, I Dive Blue, uh, talking about the oceans, uh, obviously. 
Um, they talk about these uh, plastic islands that are floating around twice the size of Texas. And uh, well, you, they say regardless where you are in the world, it doesn't matter if your proximity to the sea is uh, obviously small. Um, ocean plastics affect uh, us all. You obviously you live on an island uh, yourself, uh, Grand Canaries. Um, any thoughts on that? What 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 do you think um, about this? I think living close to the sea or a or a river source um, and and actually seeing what washes up from that um, that does it does switch your mind a little bit and it we notice here on the islands that on you know some of the some of the less inhabited islands are actually the ones that are suffering more from microplastics and and, and these types of um, you know bits and pieces that are washing up. Some of the beaches here in Gran Canaria, um, they have a very high tide and so the sand is very wet and it's really, really easy to see all of the different colours of the plastics in the sand. So even from a tourism perspective, when people go to sit on that beach, it's there, it's visual and it's kind of, it's in your face a little bit and it makes you feel uncomfortable and like you want to do something about it. Um, I was listening to um, a very quick interview with um, Emily Penn, the lady that um, is, is sailing around all of the, the plastic gyres. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting because she said she was looking for these islands. She was trying to find these floating plastic islands sure. and, and mm-hmm. couldn't find them. Um, but actually what it's what she found is that they're, what they're looking at are the microplastics. So the, the size, when we compare it to the size of Texas, et cetera, mm-hmm. it's in a microplastic format. So to the immediate eye on the top of the ocean, it's not visible. But once they put the big glove in to drag through, mm-hmm. it's this whole kind of plastic soup um, scenario. And I think uh, many of us don't actually realize the impact of that. Um, I know there's lots about it on, on television. There's lots about it on social media. But interestingly, again, um, I think to myself, maybe it's just because my social media is full of this sort of thing and I'm interested in it. So that's what comes up on my feed. But there yep. are lots of my friends that don't know about this. Yeah. So, you know, they're not aware that this is happening. It's it's more on the radar now than it has been, um, which is great. Uh, but I, I do think there's still a lot of work to, to do around that. Yeah. Do you think you see more of it because obviously when you're looking for, you obviously search for it because it's your job. So you get more articles thrown your way and then you get a perception that uh, they talk about it everywhere, where in reality people just look for different things and, and they don't get more of this information or maybe nothing at all. I think that's exactly it. I'm so aware of it in the way that I would be not aware at all of somebody else's industry and what's going on in someone else's industry. I kind of know about it, but I've got no idea, you know, if, if you had to go into the detail or have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's it. We There's only so much you can take in, isn't there? Um, and, you know, you've just got to work with, I guess, what drives you, what you're passionate about. And that's what we all do in our in our old kind of little corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be widely aware of everything, I think, is really difficult. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Now, you live on an island, so um, must be a fishing industry there. Um, there's a lot of sustainable fishing nowadays, but there's also a lot of fishing uh, they make use of of uh, plastic nets that they leave behind or that get left behind um, by, by accident or because it's not used anymore. Um, have you seen anything on like that? And is that something that you're looking to get into to change that industry? 
Um, we do see fishing nets here quite regularly when mm. we do some beach cleans with a couple of the organisations that arrange those oh, here. Oh, you do that? Beach um, cleans? And there's, yeah. um, there's a smaller fishing industry here. Okay. Um, there's an organisation called Oceans for Life um, and they work um, on Gran Canaria and they organise monthly beach cleans. So right. um, we don't organise them at Travel Without Plastic, but we participate and, and, and we share the information about those. Um, and it's interesting to see what we do pick up off the beaches um, and very often that there are fishing nets. Um, it's not an industry that we're making any kind of headway into ourselves personally. Um, we are at the moment um, writing a, um, a report on behalf of MUNEP and the World Travel and Tourism Council that looks at um, the issues of plastics in the tourism value chain. So mm -hmm. fishing gear is obviously key there. Um, and um, some of the researchers on the project, their suggestions are around um, take back systems um, and, you know, different types of materials. It's not my area of expertise, definitely not. OK, um, but certainly it's it's on the radar yeah. um, and it is very visible when we do the beach cleans here. And it's obviously that, you know, it's very obvious it's an issue. Um, so obviously your site, uh, Travel Without plastic.com i'll put it in the show notes is there anywhere else where we can find you on social media for example um yes we're, we, we use the same travel without plastic or on facebook, facebook and yep. instagram um, and twitter and linkedin uh, and our next um, project that we should be launching in in a couple of weeks is um it's a kind of a step up from travel without plastic um, which is greenerguest.com um, and that's going to be, um, it's like an e-commerce and an education platform because one of the things that happens with Travel Without Plastics work is everybody wants to know where they can find alternatives to plastic and how they can truly, um, you know, be sure that those alternatives are sustainable. Um, how can they cut through the marketing mm -hmm. um, and, you know, really get the right thing for their business? Um, and it became quite um, time-consuming to do that on an individual kind of consultant basis. Yeah. And so we're we're creating now um, an, a, a website where people can go to get um, information um, to be able to make more informed procurement choices, um, but also to link them directly to to where they can find those products. And we're going to be very very honest about how those products would need to be disposed of, so people can make the right decision. You know, if it's the right thing for them to buy or not, yep. depending on their waste infrastructure, um, and also where the products are made, so that we can help people to buy locally and still tick a lot of their other sustainability boxes. Um, because we, you know, we don't really want to solve one problem only to find that we create another. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a it's a work in progress. We're hoping that we will launch that in, by the end of August, and that's where end the e-learning okay. on the hygiene and um, reducing plastics will sit as well. So we want that to be a really. And what is the website's name again? Sorry, I, I did not quite hear it. Uh, the new the new website is greenerguest.com. Greenerguest.com. Okay, All right. So travel without plastic will still be there, yeah. uh, but Greener Guest is the is the kind of next step from that. Fantastic. And that was my next question going to be as well. Anything else in the pipeline? Obviously, that's what is in the <laughs> pipeline, I guess, isn't it? Is there anything else that you would like to mention? Anything else that uh, you want to get off your chest? Um, no, not really. I think we've covered <laughs> quite a lot today, Peter. Yeah, it's been really interesting true. to talk to you. You've got lots of amazing questions. I think it's just um for for us we would just really like to see people feeling you know confident yeah. that they don't need to go back to single-use plastic or that they can they can make different choices um and to 
to, to help people understand that it's not always the easiest thing to do, but it's definitely the right thing to do for so mm-hmm. many reasons. And it, it does require some planning, um, you know, to, to look at what different processes and, and procedures need to be. But to take the time now that, you know, probably for the first time in our lives, we have got a bit more time for planning. We can start to think about those strategies. And um, one of our lines that, that we often say to procurers, in particular the people that would be buying the products, is if you had to rewrite your standard operating procedures or your brand standards with um, waste management and waste reduction in mind, mm-hmm. you know, what would you change? How would that make you change what you do? Um, what you buy, what your processes are. That's always our kind of parting piece, if you like, to leave people with something to think about. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. That was the podcast with Joe Hendricks of Travel Without Plastic. Uh, I'll put all the links in the show notes. It was fantastic, as I mentioned earlier, to have her on the show. And you can find the latest news on podcasts.earth. You have been listening to Peter, Peter de Vries. Thank you for doing so. And please don't forget to tune in next time to a travel companion. Thank you.